Welcome to the Four Downs Podcast. I am Scott Smith. You can contact me on Twitter at SMithFF. And the Four Downs Pod, if you want to interact with us, go ahead and follow along on Twitter at Four Downs Pod. With me, as always, Andrew Scherer and Kilby O'Rourke. You can find them below me in the rankings of whatever fantasy league we're playing in. Kilby, Andrew, what's up? Yeah, what's up? Just kind of laughing at your intro. You, you think you're always just <laughs> quick, better than us, Quick true or okay. false. Quick true or false for both of you guys. Have either one of you ever finished above me in any fantasy league that we've played? Um, so, I mean, I, think, I guess you'd only say that if you know we haven't. But to be fair, I've played with you for, what, what was this, th- uh, three years in Dynasty and then two years in a redraft, which included me taking Le'Veon Bell last year. So I'm, I'm going to put an asterisk by it. Hey, you know, I'm a stats guy, so I'm just throwing the stats out there. Well, I've only played against you one year, so that's where I'm going to leave that. <laughs> I, I, I... I, I do know that we both have zero championships in all those leagues. So Hey, I, I'm like the Buffalo Bills. I'm steadily finishing second, especially in our, our other league. But uh, beyond that, guys, uh, we got our first taste of some real preseason, excluding last week. What do you guys think about tonight? I know, uh, Kilby, you're, you're catching up on some of it. But, Andrew, do you get to see anything? Yeah, you know, I actually, um, you know, I'll be working working the early morning shift tomorrow at work. So I actually kind of slept a little bit through it, but I woke up, I watched some clips. I, um, you know, watched Daniel Jones's drive, watched Kyler Murray a little bit. So it's uh, it's just good to see football back. You know, even if it's some guys who might not make rosters, it's just, it, it's good to watch people getting hit. Yeah, one of the things that I took away, I, I watched Kyler, Kyler Murray's like first drive. I think it was his only drive, but he went seven for seven. It was a little bit vanilla, some rollouts and some things. But, man, he's got a quick, compact delivery, and he throws the ball with ease. And you can just see from that one drive how comfortable he is making decisions in there. And I think it's going to be a big year for Kyler. I think people need to watch out. All right, so let's get right into it. Big news, probably the biggest news right here of the preseason. Duke Johnson traded to the Houston Texans for a fourth-round pick that can conditionally turn into a third. Andrew, what do you think about this? Yeah, so I'm, um, you know, I, I, I have my early indications for my rankings. I'm going to probably throw Duke probably up. Um, I, I might flirt with him in the top 30, 30, 36. I think it's a... It's a solid deal for Houston. I actually think they might have given up a little too much. I think they gave up a third-round pick if Duke makes the roster, plays a certain amount of games. But for Deshaun Watson, I love it. For that offense, I love it. I think if, if they can use him kind of almost like a James White, uh, you, know, but, you know, he does have a more expanded route tree than White does. So you'll see him in the slot more. Uh, I love it. Um, I think it'll be a big boost for that offense, for Watson, you know, might hurt Lamar Miller a little bit, but I, I'm really excited to see what Duke can do in that offense if Bill O'Brien decides to use him like I kind of think he should be used. Yeah, my man Evan Silva sent out a tweet earlier today, and basically what he said was if you look at the trade capital and the running back climate that we have today, a third to fourth round pick is basically equivalent to starter capital. You know, so do you think that, you know, Kilby, I'll throw this to you, do you think that? Duke Johnson's got a chance of starting over Lamar Miller there in Houston. I think he does eventually. Everyone's been looking for anyone to take over for Lamar Miller at this point. So Duke Johnson, as ready as anyone's been wanting to take over a lead role at some point in time of his career. And I think now he's got an opportunity. He went to a perfect team where he can actually show his talent. And if Lamar Miller fails, I think Duke Johnson's ready to step into his place. Yeah. And you know, 
it was something we've kind of been looking at for a while, but over the last couple of years, Duke Johnson's been one of the most efficient running backs on a per touch basis. Last year, he was a fifth in player profilers metrics for, for production premium. And he was actually first in yards per touch. So I, I don't know how you guys are. I think I was the highest with our rankings and we're certainly going to have those adjusted before we get to our running back show. But I had him as my running back 48 and I actually just went ahead and, and put him in Lamar Miller's spot. I, I, you know, I think he's going to end up being running back 30 range. I think Miller bounced down right outside of running back three. But I actually think the cream rises to the top and I think Duke Johnson's going to take over that role. You think I'm crazy, Andrew? I, I really don't. Um, you know, it's something that, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned Kareem rising to the top. I mean, Duke for I feel like for years has been regarded as someone who, if he was just given a chance, he would impress. Um, you know, I remember hearing, uh, you know, I don't know how respected he is, but I remember hearing Todd Haley talk about how much of Le'Veon Bell he saw in Duke, and I feel like you know we would be teased with that potential, but we never got to see it. But you know, I'm I'm pretty excited that I think we're actually going to get to see it if uh, Bill O'Brien knows how to use him. Yeah, it'll be interesting, and uh, we'll we'll kind of hit on Duke again in our running back show as we all get time to adjust our rankings and, and maybe even see a, a preseason game or two by then. The other big news uh, we hit on it a little bit last on our last show. The Antonio Brown news came out, and so I was actually a little bit long, wrong. It's not trench foot that he has; he actually has basically frostbite. He he went into a cryotherapy chamber, did not listen, I guess, to the people who are running the show over there, and did not wear the protective socks. So he actually uh, got frostbite on the bottom of his feet. Uh, the news came out that there's no timetable for his return, and it, it's it's a little bit concerning. Concerning. So, you know, we hit it on a little bit last week, but Kilby, you know, does this news change anything that that you were kind of thinking about Antonio Brown? And are you scared off on drafting him now? Honestly, my big question here is, has he not done this before? Has he not gone into the cryogenic chamber before? And it, I'm so confused by this news, honestly. This will heal up. Maybe it, it slows down his progress into the season. But Antonio Brown's one of those men. He's a hard worker. It's just a matter of how quickly he can get back on the field and start gelling with his team. So that's the only thing that concerns me. I'm not necessarily dropping him in my rankings at this moment. But as preseason goes on, if he's not out there with the team, then I might have to drop him a few spots. Yeah, one of the uh, quotes I actually heard out of Raiders camp, and I think it came from John Gruden, was that they can't finish installing the offense with him sitting on the sideline. So that goes to tell you that he's going to be a huge part of that offense, but with him not there, I mean, Andrew, how are you kind of taking this? If he doesn't play the entire preseason when your drafts come around, You know, where are you looking to draft him, if at all? Yeah, I'm not super concerned. I, I, I mean, I think it's concerning from the sense, from the sense of you, you, you know, you said last week you hear the trench foot and you're kind of like, okay, well, that could be serious. And you hear frostbite and you're like, wow, that could be super serious as well. But, I mean, just from from some of the reports I've read is that they expect him to make a full recovery. You know, he's 31 years old. I mean, the guy is he's played for a few years. So I mean, if he's not touching the field in the preseason, I'm not kind of super concerned. And I mean, look, I have him ranked 10th. At the receiver position, I mean, he's kind of right in that Amari Cooper, Adam Thielen range. And, I mean, I'm not dropping him below those guys no matter what. I mean, I'm not going to take him. I'm not going to take Cooper or Thielen above Brown. So I think where I have him is kind of, you know, I think the lowest of all three of us right in that range. So I'm just going to ride with it. Um, You know, if I don't see him, if I don't see him week one, I guess I'd be concerned. But I just right now, I just I think you just have to go with those reports that he's going to make a full recovery. 
Yeah, I think uh, we're going to have to be on the lookout for that and see when he comes back. So moving on to some bad news, to some good news. Curtis Samuel out in Charlotte for Carolina Panthers. Uh, coaches are saying that he is light years ahead of where he was last year. You know, they're touting him big about his, his route capabilities this year and, and what he's going to do. I'm actually really, really high on DJ Moore. I just did a radio spot earlier, and and DJ Moore was one of the guys that I was touting as, uh, you know, one of my my sleepers or breakout guys, should I say? One of the things I was concerned about whenever the Panthers actually drafted Curtis Samuel was I thought it was like redundancy as far as like the skill set that he had, and also like Christian McCaffrey. I actually thought that Samuel, had he been drafted to another team could have done some of the similar things and maybe not been as instinctive as a runner as what say Christian McCaffrey is, but this news saying that his route ability is really what's been progressing. I mean, that, that leaves a, a pretty good glimmer of hope, especially for somebody that's going as late as what he is. I mean, with this information, you know, and a strong preseason performance right now, we have um right in the, the 43 range as far as wide receivers. Are you going to be moving them up? Um, you know, I just kind of have to look at, you know, who's in that range. I mean, so my thing about Curtis Samuels, this, I, you, you said it best. I mean, when he was drafted, I was nervous kind of in a way, cause I kind of just thought, okay, he seems like a McCaffrey type. Uh, so, I mean, it's just something you have to wait and see. I, I mean, it's, it's just how much of a route tree can he have? I mean, I feel like he's kind of going to be a kind of almost just a burner down the field. And like you mentioned with DJ Moore, I mean, look, DJ Moore's there. McCaffrey, Samuel, I just, can can Cam Newton support that many weapons? I just, I don't know. I have Samuel, you know, 44th, you know, kind of in that range. You know, you have Cortland Court, Sutton, Geronimo Allison, um, Anthony Miller, Kiki Kuti. I, I might I might move him ahead of QT just because of Duke Johnson. I think Duke Johnson could maybe take some routes away from QT, but I'd probably just keep him where, where he's at. I'm not super, super intrigued with him yet until I see it in the preseason. And the last bit of news we're going to get into before we hit our tight end primer and set you up for your drafts is uh, the Buffalo Bills. Devin Singletary is getting a lot of first-team run, and we're also hearing rumblings that TJ Yeldon could go ahead and get cut. Now, the Bills went ahead and played tonight, and as far as like Yeldon goes, he had a fumble loss. So I think that's definitely something that's going to play against him, and he's a guy that I can see cut. But as far as Singletary, Andrew, do you think Singletary is actually going to be the the lead back in this offense, or do you think LaShawn McCoy still has enough juice to kind of, you know, keep him off, hold him off for a little while longer? Yeah, I, I definitely think Singletary's got the chance to take over that backfield. I mean, one hundred percent to go into the year. I'm not, I'm not too, um, I'm not, I'm not expecting it. I think LaShawn McCoy has has earned his right to kind of at least get a chance. Uh, McCoy actually had a quote the other day where he said that, um, as far as he's been told. He's the lead back. Um, so I, I'm still super intrigued by it. Singletary was an interesting player in college. You know, he actually, you know, his first two years in college, he ran for 3,000 yards. He had 3,000 yards. He had like 45 catches, which is super, super interesting at the college level over a span of two years. And then, um, you know, senior year, he kind of, uh, what some people thought that he actually kind of, you know, downgraded you know he ran for you know 1300 yards but he was a talented guy in, in an offense that kind of ran wild so I'm just super intrigued by it it's someone I would definitely target and redraft towards the end of drafts though I'm talking last two rounds I, I'd, I'd give him just a give him a look because I think that backfield is up for grabs you know I just don't think McCoy can be trusted to hold up for a full season yeah my biggest concern with Devin Singletary coming out of Florida ultra productive the issue is 
203 pounds. He's got an underwhelming spark score in the 13th percentile. When you're 5'7", 203, you have to be running faster than a 4'6", I mean, you look at his workout metrics, and, and he just bombed at the combine. You know, nothing impressive whatsoever. And then you turn on his tape, and it's a different player. You're like, you see how he moves, and you see some of the, the runs and, and instincts he has. You know, I think he runs with great vision. So it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I kind of feel like him and LaShawn McCoy have some of the same overlap as far as the talent, you know, just the way they move and some of the things that they do. So it'll be interesting to see how they play off of each other. And Kilby, I'm interested to, to hear from you. Like if Yeldon, you know, we kind of bounce back to him, a fumble tonight, you know, he gets cut. He's kind of afterthought signing there in Buffalo. But if he gets cut, do you think Tampa Bay, maybe the Buccaneers is, is a landing spot for him since there's a little bit of, of things up in the air with Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber over there? Potentially, but I mean, after the preseason, we're going to see a lot of cuts. So there's going to be plenty of players out there. There's going to be a big player pool for all kinds of teams to pick up. Who knows where Yeldon would land after that? I mean, weren't we even listening to uh, rumors of LaShawn McCoy getting cut at some point in time? I mean, I don't necessarily expect that to happen, but I mean, you've got McCoy, you've got Gore, you've got Singletary, you've got Yeldon. I mean, who really is going to be the odd man now? I mean, outside of Singletary. That's what I'm looking at. It would be interesting. It would be interesting to see because down in Tampa Bay, it's definitely a, a backfield where they could definitely use an extra player down there to bring out some competition for those guys. Yeah, it's, it, it's just one of those things you're going to have to wait and see. But if I'm putting my, my money on any of these guys, I, I think it's going to be Singletary. You know, I, I'm really not investing too much in any of the Buffalo Bills players. That offense is one that I'm kind of staying away from. So we'll just have to keep a lookout over these next couple of weeks and see how preseason plays out. So moving on, this is our tight end primer show. We're going to go ahead and hit on our strategies, our sleepers, and, and tell you who to avoid to go ahead and help you win your fantasy leagues and, and dominate your fantasy draft. So let's go ahead and get into that and let's start talking about some of our tight end strategies. So Andrew, whenever you're drafting, you know, you start looking at some of our guys and, and everybody knows who the big three names are right out the gate. You know, Gronk's out of the picture right now. So you're, you're talking about Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and then, you know, the, the list goes on down the line. From a tight end drafting strategy, do you go tight end early and grab one of those big guys? Or are you generally somebody that kind of tries to wait for value and, and get somebody a little bit later in drafts? Yeah, I, I definitely go I go for them early uh, for those three guys if they fall in a value that I think is appropriate. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I feel like a few the past few years it's been a mix. It's been mixed signals for drafters. I think it's been, hey, you know, stream if you can. Uh, hey, go Gronk early because you have a you have a leg up. You know, I, I think it's been mixed signals. But look, if you can get someone like Travis Kelsey around 17th overall and in, in the middle of in the middle of the second round, I'd probably do it. I, I think you look at what Kelsey did last year. I mean, these guys are glorified receivers. I mean, then you know, then you go to your George Kittles, your Zach Ertz. I mean, these guys are really playing like receivers, and in PPR leagues, you know, they're tremendous. And I, I think especially when you move into the standard leagues, I, I'm willing to take those guys maybe earlier, just because you definitely have a leg up at the position, in my opinion. So I think you know Kelsey, you know, in the in the middle of the second round. I mean, you look at guys like Kittle and Ertz towards the end of the third, you know, early fourth. I'm totally fine with taking those guys, but at the same time, if they're gone, I'm super positive. I'm super okay to to streaming the position as well. 
Yeah, speaking of streaming, streaming, as far as the tight end goes, is not something that I've had a whole bunch of luck with. Just in general, trying to go ahead and predict the tight ends, especially at the bottom of the line, you know, who's going to perform each week. It, it's It's been mind-boggling for me. One of the things I have had success with in the past is actually picking up a tight end off of waivers and riding that guy out for most of the year. But as far as, like, rotating tight ends in and out in a, in a legit streaming sense, I just haven't been able to do it. I look for those those early tight ends if I can get the proper value on it or if, you know, running backs that I'm not comfortable with, wide receivers that I'm not comfortable with there in the second round, I have no problem taking a Travis Kelsey or, you know, George Kittle. I'm a little bit lower on Zach Ertz this year, but just in general, when you start talking about tight ends and their performance on a per-touch basis, tight ends or they outproduce running backs on a per touch basis. And if you can get that added bonus and you can kind of separate yourself from all these other, other players in your league with one of those top tight ends and you miss out on those early running backs on those top tier wide receivers, taking a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle or one of these other tight ends in, in, in the second round, I'm perfectly okay with that. Now, Andrew, have you had any success streaming, or do you kind of gear yourself a little bit more if you had to choose one or the other, either streaming or early round tight end? Which would you prefer if you have to choose between those two? If I absolutely – yeah, it's such a hard question because man, it's just so hard because I feel like Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz are wide receivers, <laughs> honestly. But um, I guess if I had to pick – I'm going to stream tight ends if I had to pick, you know, if, if I didn't have another option. I've had success with, with streaming tight ends, and I think, Scott, if you can remember, that goes back to our days where we did our fantasy pods and we were pumping out rankings each week. You know, I, I think I always had good rankings at the tight end position. I've always been able to kind of just scope it out, I feel like. Um, you know, I, I look at last year, I had a lot of Austin Hooper from streaming. Um, I had a lot of George Kittle last year because, if you guys remember, Kittle was was looked at as that upside play, and he was going later in drafts. And you know, I just was picking him up as toward the end of drafts, and just kind of saying, okay, well, if he doesn't work out, I'll stream him. So I've really always had success with streaming. I think I look back to the year when Ben Watson had a breakout year. I actually started in a league. I started the year out with Ben Watson just because I figure, okay, you know, I'll just stream him and see where it goes from there. So I, I've been totally okay with streaming tight ends. I wouldn't be too concerned about it if you're a drafty if you miss on some tight ends. Don't be scared to stream. Like, just do not. I mean, you're looking at this range right now of drafts where I know we're higher on, you know, someone like maybe Mark Andrews than maybe their traditional drafter might be. So someone like Mark Andrews, I would start the year with Mark Andrews. He's our tight end number 13. You know, a guy like TJ Hawkerson, even Kyle Rudolph. I'm totally fine with starting with a guy like that and then just streaming week to week. Yeah, so let's get into some of our rankings. We're going to go ahead and, and do a top-down show. So we're just going to get to the top. We talked about these three guys already. We're talking Travis Kelsey at number one, George Kittle's our number two, and Zach Ertz is our number three. Now, for me, I have a clear order of this, and, and Kelsey's the clear-cut number one for me. George Kittle is the number two. And I'm a little bit scared of Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz had a phenomenal year last year, but there were a lot of injuries in that receiving core. And, and if I start looking at, at things this year, I think, I hate to say it, but I think Dallas Goddard's going to cut in to a little bit of Zach Ertz's, you know, his target share. And you start looking at other things. Deshaun Jackson's there. You know, you, you've got some other players that are there in that receiving core that can do some damage. So for me, Zach Ertz kind of finds himself in, in a tier below both Kelsey and Kittle. Now, Kilby, I, I know you have some interest in these tight ends, 
of these three guys, do you have any any issues with with either of the three? I'm right there with you as far as Zach Ertz. He's uh, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle have definitely set themselves apart. Only thing is whether I want to take them that high. It just depends on what position I'm drafting from. With Zach Ertz, I could at that point start letting it go. I, I might drop on down because I definitely have some guys lower that I, I just don't value the tight end position. That's my biggest issue. I don't value the position. I find it the weakest position. And so if I don't hit on one of the top two guys, then I'm just waiting. I I would rather just load up with a lot of wide receivers and running backs and then just wait and pick a guy lower down, which I have a guy picked out that I want later in the rounds. Now, that's not to say if Travis Kelsey or George Kittle fall to me in the right spot, then I'm going to take them all day long, but... Yeah, no, I'm right there with you for Zach Ertz. It, it's one of those, I just, I could see an Evan Egram beating him out. I mean, with the way that New York Giants offense is going right now, you know, the receiving core is just up for grabs, and he's definitely one of the most talented receivers on the field for them. And then O.J. Howard, if he can stay healthy, I mean, the man's a beast. So uh, it's definitely up for grabs for me. I have a question just real quick, Scott. So for Kilby, so do you think – so are you – like someone like Travis Kelsey, would you consider in like that that pick 17 to 18 range in the middle of the second? If I went running back first and then all the top wide receivers went off the board and I'm looking for a wide receiver one, I could potentially take Kelsey in that range, absolutely, because I absolutely view him as a wide receiver one in that offense. Okay, that's a great point. I think I just want to bring that up because I know you mentioned that it just sounded like you kind of the way you sounded is that maybe that, you know, you would kind of just get them if they fell to you. Like, oh, like like I know, you know, oh, maybe if Kelsey falls to the beginning of the third, I'll take him. But I just want to point out to people that Travis Kelsey would have been wide receiver nine last year. Ertz would have been a wide receiver 10. Kittle's flirting with that wide receiver one territory. I just think people need to realize that these top at least top two guys, because I'm I'm with Scott there, that Ertz is going to see a drop-off with Dallas Goddard there. These guys play up as top 10 wide receivers, and I think you can draft them and do not be scared off at that position at that position because it is an incredibly weak position, but these guys are glorified wide receivers, in my opinion. Yeah, and for me, you know, I'm talking about Zach Ertz. For me, I'm completely comfortable with the prices that you have to pay for both Kelsey and, and Kittle. I think those two guys are absolutely the premier guys. My big concern with Zach Ertz is you start looking at that target share that he got last year. Last year, he had 156 targets. You know, the three years before that, he averaged right around 108 to 109 targets. And, you know, I just don't think that those numbers are going to be what they were last year, you know, in 2019. I just don't see him getting there. All three of these tight ends actually kind of operate as as their team's top receiving option and while that's what you're looking for at tight end i'm just not willing to pay that top of the third you know round price for w- what a lot of people are, are getting in zach Ertz. so he's a guy that, that i'm just going to pass on so we kind of got those three out of the way we're, we're all kind of comfortable where we feel on those you know my suggestion would be go ahead and, and pass on zach Ertz. this next tier that we have is, is kind of the interesting tier that you get into so if we go ahead and look at our rankings we have evan ingram number four oj howard number five hunter henry number six and then in that same range a little bit later as far as adp goes jared cook is number seven so with those 
Andrew, I'm just going to go ahead and kick it off to you because I know you're real big on the, on the Tampa Bay offense this year. And if you look at Warren Sharp's numbers, Tampa Bay faces the easiest passing defenses as far as pass efficiency. So with that being said, Chris Godwin's a huge breakout candidate for everybody. Mike Evans has been consistent. Is O.J. Howard going to get enough targets in that Tampa Bay offense to, to get a top five finish here at the tight end position? I'm I'm hoping he does. You know, I'm kind of scared off, like you mentioned, by the Godwin and Evans situation. But, I mean, look, the talent is there for O.J. Howard. It, another thing you have to realize, the tight end position, again, we're going to say it a lot, is just, it's it's not a dumpster fire, but it doesn't take a lot to be a top tight end, I feel like. I, I think, you know, you can kind of fall into a top five season, and, and I think that's definitely there for O.J. Howard. I have him ranked as my tight end five. However, I'm contemplating moving him behind Hunter Henry, but at the same time, when we get to Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry's got Mike Williams there, who's almost like kind of like a glorified tight end himself. He's huge, and he can kind of, you know, he's got an interesting route tree. I mean, uh, Mike Williams can do a lot. So, I mean, you, you see these guys who are kind of in that range, and they have a lot to, a lot to work with, a lot to work against in their own offense. But look, the talent levels there for OJ Howard, I can see a George Kittle season. I mean, Howard's got that ability, like Kittle, to kind of, to really run some routes and make people miss in the open field. Honestly, I think we saw kill do that a lot last year too. So OJ Howard can totally have that tight end one upside, but I mean, I'm just, uh, I'd be a little nervous. That's why I think Evan Ingram definitely has to be off the board before Howard, in my opinion. Yeah, and Kilby, we, we talked about O.J. Howard, and if you look at player profile, like yards per reception, O.J. Howard, 16.6 was first. Yards per target, 11.8 first. If I'm not mistaken, in, in the history of basically tight ends, there's been five years where a tight end ha- has had over 11 yards per target, and I think O.J. Howard has two of them. So if we bounce past these first guys like we talked about, is O.J. Howard the, the upside, and is he the guy that you're interested in out of these four? He is based on his athleticism, and I like the fact that we got Bruce Arians coming in. He's going to bring in that uh, gunslinger type of mentality. He's going to throw the ball down the field. Biggest concern I have about this group of players is going to be the injury history. Like, this is what scares me about that group. Like, can they stay healthy? Like, Evan Ingram, Jared Cook. Out of this tier of four players that we're talking about, those two are the only ones that have really stayed on the field. O.J. Howard and Hunter Henry both have dealt with injuries. Now, we don't want to base everything on injuries, but at the same time, like, can you stay on the field? That's what I want to know. Like, If I'm going to invest this draft pick in you, are you going to stay in the field? I mean, the athleticism's there. So I'm, I put Howard above Ingram mainly because I'm excited about that offense and where they're going to go and the fact that, I mean, the guy's a beast on the field when he's on there. And then with Evan Ingram, the reason why I put him a little lower is because I'm just not sure what to make of that New York Giants offense this year. So that's kind of where I have those ranked. So anyway. And that's a good point when you start talking about Evan Ingram. And, and, and Andrew, whenever we kind of look at this group, I think you can kind of pair these four guys up into two separate categories. You have the young studs and O.J. Howard and Hunter Henry that are both coming off, a, off of an injury. And then you kind of have Evan Ingram versus Jared Cook. You've got Jared Cook that's you know attached to Drew Brees and that, that New Orleans Saints, Sean Payton offense that's been known to do a lot of things. And then here you have Evan Ingram who is – 
probably going to be the the top option in a New York Giants offense that is for now operating with Eli Manning and you know possibly Daniel Jones who actually played pretty well in his preseason debut tonight. So when you you break these two guys down, who do you think brings more to the table? Oh, I think it's 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 really. <laughs> see, I almost said it's not even close, but it, again, it it is. I mean, I could see a world where Jared Cook is a top is is a top three tight end. I think Evan Ingram is who I would take above Cook. I think you look at Evan Ingram last year, even in 2017. I think in 2017, after um, Beckham broke his ankle, you saw Ingram. He almost caught. He caught for about 700 yards, six touchdowns. You look at him last year. He averaged 37 yards per game more when Beckham was off the field. I think I think you look at Ingram. He's got that talent, and you saw him take advantage of that when o, when OBJ was out last year. So now you bring in Golden Tate. You know I don't know how much Golden Tate has left in the tank. You have Sterling Shepard who um, is dealing with a little thumb injury. He'll be ready for the season, but you just look at that. You look at Golden Tate's suspension. You know I forget to mention that. So I think Ingram could have four weeks of top tight end production. So I'm going to go with Ingram in that sense because I think the targets are going to be there. I don't think he's got much to to compete against. Jared Cook, he's got Michael Thomas. He's got Kamara. Um, he's got Drew Brees to kind of deal with in the sense of somehow Keith Kirkwood, Ted Ginn, Traycon Smith, they're going to fall into six touchdowns, maybe more. So I think Cook's got to compete with that. But look, I'm still excited about Cook. That's going to be a red zone threat. You know, Cook last year caught 67% of his balls, you know, uh, 68 catches. I think that's something that he could definitely match and, you know, flirt with a thousand yards this year and, and probably the best off offense in fantasy, in fantasy football. Yeah. You look at this group of guys and you're talking about a late fifth round pick to, you know, basically a late seventh round pick. Some of the other interesting names in in this range, you know, is DJ Moore, David Montgomery. You've got Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Allen Robinson, you know, the list goes on down the line. Is this a range that you're comfortable trying to target one of these upside plays? I think, I think definitely, I think it definitely is. Um, I mean, then again, though, you kind of get into that range of, like you mentioned, I mean, I think I'm higher on David, David Montgomery than you guys are, but you know, then again, I mean, I, I look at guys like David Montgomery and DJ Moore and, you know, I go back to what you asked me a little bit earlier in the show, you know, if I don't get those three guys, am I going to stream? I kind of might be inclined to stream. So I, I like the upside for these guys. I also do like maybe the potential of getting a running back who can kind of move into that top 12 territory in David Montgomery or DJ Moore, who could be a top top 16-ish guy at the wide receiver position if everything goes well. So, you know, it's kind of not really a knock on these group of tight ends. But I, I think, look, I think this group is super interesting. And I think for the first time in, in a long time, I see seven tight ends on the board that I'd be really happy with on my fantasy team. Yeah. So, you know, this is definitely the upside after the, uh, the first three guys come off of the board, but moving on to this next tier that we have, there's a lot of question marks and this is where things kind of get murky. So we go ahead and go with number eight and that's Eric Ebron. Both of you guys are way higher on Ebron than I am. Um, I say way higher, you know, Kilby's got him at six, Andrew, you've got him at eight. I've got him at 12. You know, next after Ebron's David Njoku, number 10, Vance McDonald, number 11, Austin Hooper, and then number 12 is Jordan Reed. So let's go ahead and talk about Ebron because he tore it up last year, came out of nowhere, and, and you know, everybody wrote him off as a bust there in Detroit. He comes over, you know, to Indianapolis and, and has a hell of a year, puts up 
a huge touchdown number. There's 14 touchdowns. Was number one in the league. You know, is receiving yards right there at 750, 66 receptions on 110 targets. Now, one of the big things, we've got some new signings there in, in Indianapolis. That combined with regression. Kilby, I'll start with you since you have him ranked at number six. Do, are, are you still comfortable with with Eric Ebron, and do you think he's going to have a, a similar season to what he had last year to justify that number six ranking? To have a similar season? No, I definitely see a little bit of regression come, but I'm not going to discount what he did last season. Coming from Detroit, where he's pretty much buried and left for dead, and now he comes to Indianapolis and he gets rejuvenated. I mean, this we got to remember this. This guy was a first round pick. Like he's got all the athleticism in the world, and we know that tight ends take time to develop. And I think Ebron has really started to come in on his own. He developed chemistry with Andrew Luck. He's got an amazing quarterback. So we know Jack Doyle is still there. We know that they have brought in, you know, Paris Campbell. But at the same time, like you can't discount what he did last season. He's going to be a red zone threat. I definitely see the regression coming, but I can't drop. I mean, he finished number four, so I'm dropping him down to six. I like the guy. I, I, I think with that offense and everything that's going on there, I think he's ready. I think he's moving forward with his uh, career and what he's doing, and I'm excited to actually see what continues to happen there. For me, Ebron is one of the guys that's at the top of my list as far as people that won't live up to their ADP. You know, you start looking at Devin Funches coming into that Indianapolis offense. They drafted Paris Campbell. Those are two guys that are going to work the same area of the field that Ebron was having success at last year. And that's before we even get into Jack Dole coming back. So I, I don't think that he's going to see a situation where he hits 100 to 110 targets. So from a volume standpoint, I think he's going to he's going to be lower. Once I start looking at the volume, you move on to the efficiency, and there's no way in hell that he's going to be as efficient as he was last year and put up those tight ends. So, Andrew, you've got him at number eight. You know, you're kind of in the middle between us. Do you think that, that this is a situation where you might look at these rankings and, and kind of move them down and reevaluate it? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think I look at someone like um, David Njoku. Um, I'd maybe consider moving him ahead of Ebron. But then I feel like I'm in the same situation with what Ebron's in. Njoku is in an offense that is loaded with weapons who could all just fall into touchdowns. So, I mean, at the same time, while I would maybe move Njoku ahead of him, I mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, someone like Jordan Reed, am I taking Jordan Reed over Eric Ebron with Jordan Reed's, you know, ability to never stay on a football field for 16 games? Hell no. Austin Hooper had a great year, but am I going to take him over Ebron? Probably not. I mean, just, just based off pedigree alone. And again, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, uh, Muhammad Sanu is going to get his. Um, Vance McDonald in Pittsburgh. I mean, really, am I going to trust a Pittsburgh tight end to be ahead of Ebron? So no. And I mean, you mentioned Ebron was efficient. I mean, yeah, he was efficient in the fact that he scored 13 touchdowns. But I mean, look, the guy caught 60% of his targets. Uh, I mean, I just... I don't really think anything Ebron did aside from his 13 touchdowns was incredibly fluky. I mean, so, I mean, look, if Ebron kind of comes into, let's say Ebron, his receptions go down. Let's say he finishes with 60 catches, maybe 650 yards. I think he can still fall into eight plus touchdowns. And so I'm just probably going to, probably going to go with that. I mean, I'm probably going to be willing to take that over 
you know, the upside of Vance McDonald, Austin Hooper, and Jordan Reed. I mean, again, Njoku, I, I can see it because I think there's some untapped potential there. I think there's at least untapped potential that we can agree that he has. But, I mean, look, I, I think I, I think I feel fine with having Ebron eighth. The only thing I bring up that I really heard you say is maybe his ADP. I mean, maybe some people might not, you know, think he's going to downgrade and they'll take him at a kind of a high range. And then, yeah, maybe I'll avoid him. But, I mean, I don't, I don't see a need to have – any of those guys in that Eric Ebron range, Ebron range above Eric Ebron. Yeah, so his ADP is one to two picks after Jared Cook. You know, my issue, you talked about Jordan Reed, and Jordan Reed's somebody that I'm high on as far as a target because of how late that he goes. But whenever you start talking about a couple of these other guys, one of the things with David Njoku, I think he brings something to that Cleveland offense that is a little bit different than everybody else. All those receivers there in that Cleveland offense are small. You know, ODB's, I mean, OBJ's like 5'11". You know, you start talking about Jarvis. He's not a huge receiver. Callaway, Higgins, none of those guys are big. So when it comes to the red zone, I think Njoku offers something in that Cleveland offense. And then we bounce over to Vance McDonald. We talked about AB leaving and being in, in Oakland now. That's 169 targets open right there. You've got Dante Moncrief, James Washington, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster. Those targets have to go to somebody. And if somebody in that offense is is a prime option to go ahead and get an uptick in targets, I think Vance McDonald's that guy. So, Kilby, one of the other things that I want to kind of hit on, we all actually have Jordan Reed here ranked. He's our, our 12th tight end. Me and Andrew have him at 11. You have him at 16. For me, Jordan Reed is, is one of my prime targets as far as tight end because of how late I can get him. Essentially, he's going at pick 160. For me, if I take him at 160, I know what his upside is. But at, there at, at pick 160, if it doesn't work out, I can go ahead and cut him. And it's just like streaming tight ends like we talked about early. You're, you've got him down there at, at pick 16. You know, I, I see the guy you have right above him is Mark Andrews, but there, sitting here with Jordan Reed, you know, at 12, is he a guy that you're just off of? Yeah, I trust him about as much as a crackhead with my car keys. Guy can't stay on the field. That's my biggest problem with him right now. Tremendous talent, has been, but the problem is he just can't stay on the field. And for me, I just, I'd rather take someone that I feel like is going to be there and on the field and playing and catching balls and someone that's just continuously getting hurt. And it's not a knock on the guy. Like, I mean, he is a great talent and has all that potential, but I mean, where is that Washington Redskins offense right now? And where's it going? Who's Case Keenum going to lead towards? When is Dwayne Haskins going to get it? There's just so many questions there. And that's why I ranked him so low. Andrew, if I asked you who was fourth in receptions last year among tight ends, what's the answer? I'm going to assume Jordan Reed because you're asking now, but I wouldn't have guessed it. No, wrong. It was Austin Hooper who's also (laughs) in here that we haven't talked about. Austin Hooper has carved out a nice little niche within that Atlanta offense. You know, he's got some nice weapons around him to where he's not the top option, but 71 receptions is, is a solid you know, a solid number for a guy who's going as late as what he is. He's he's still young, so he's ascending, you know, as far as far as that going. But is he a guy that that you kind of target that you know once you lay off? Yeah, hundred percent. I think you get into that range of you know guys where if I'm going to go stream some tight ends, if I'm looking into some guys, it starts with that Jordan Reed, Austin Hooper range for me. You know, I, I, I again, I think I touched on a little bit earlier. I don't know how much truly like upside he has. So I'm not really banking on him to be this this star 
stud, you know, tight end. But I think right in that range, I think you, you take a tight end who who's going to catch 65-plus passes, I think you got to take that 10 out of 10 times. So, you know, at his value, I'm going to take Austin Hooper all day. I'd like to see his yards go up. You know, it was kind of interesting to see him catch 70 balls for kind of just 660 yards. So I'd be interested to see if he can get his yardage up. But I think Hooper's been some guy who's really, he's built that rapport with Matt Ryan. So I definitely like Hooper in that range. I mean, again, I mean, you you start getting into these tight ends and you're kind of just picking straws. So I think Hooper's definitely a guy who can almost give you a a pretty high floor, which is something that you should really look at the tight end position. Who can give me a high floor? Yeah, once we get on past this tier, it really starts to get slim pickings. But I think there's a few interesting names. So let's run through the next tier that we have ranked. Mark Andrews at 13, Delaney Walker at 14, Trey Burton at 15, who he's experiencing some injuries right now in, in Bears camp. We have the rookie TJ Hawkinson at 16, Kyle Rudolph ranked 17th for us, Chris Herndon, who's going to be looking at some suspension time. Later this year to start the season is at 18 and Jimmy Graham 19. Kilby, of these guys, who are you targeting? Who has the most interest? And, you know, who catches your eye out of this group? Mainly right now, Mark Andrews. Uh, Just watching what he did last season. It was one of those rookie tight end, got a slow start. Then all of a sudden, we get Lamar Jackson in there. The two of them start developing some chemistry. He starts putting up some yards, some touchdowns, just looking comfortable inside that offense. And then on top of it, you know, this offseason with training camp and everything that's going on, we see that they are still continuing that chemistry. So that's the guy I'm looking at primarily right now in this range, just because I'm excited about that offense for some odd reason, because I'm never really excited about it the Baltimore offense, but right now I am. I just really feel like in this range, I trust him the most. Kyle Rudolph, I could make an exception for. I feel like, you know, they signed him. I know they they um, drafted Irv Smith Jr., but they went and re-signed Kyle Rudolph. So that says something that they're going to use him in that offense, and I think he's going to really come on a little more. But if I'm really taking a stab at someone, it's Mark Andrews. And Andrew, you look at a guy like Jimmy Graham who's attached to uh, your so-called GOAT, you know, out there in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers and, and that offense. You know, he had a, a decent season, but it wasn't what everybody was expecting. So do you look at a guy like Jimmy Graham and maybe go Jimmy Graham, or are you on the young guys like Mark Andrews and a couple of the other guys? You know, TJ Hawkinson's another guy we hadn't really talked a whole lot about because rookie tight ends don't do it, but you look at the draft equity that they Detroit used to, to go ahead and get them. And word is that they can't get them off the field. He's taken like almost every first team rep that they've had in, in practice. So of this group, who is it that you're looking at? I'm mean, trying not to overlap Kilby here. Um, I really, I'm fully on board with Kilby. I think Mark Andrews is really just the cream of the crop in this range. So that's really the guy I want the most, but just for argument's sake, I look at this group and I'm really interested in Chris Herndon. Now, the thing about Chris Herndon is this. I think he suspended the first few games. I mean, that kind of almost eliminates him from redrafts. I mean, I don't I don't see a need for you to draft him because there's going to be really no need to keep him on your roster unless you have some roster spots to fill and you have a tight end you can play. But I really love Chris Herndon. I think you looked at what he did in his rookie year. Uh, he just he looked really efficient. I mean, he, you know, he started picking up that target share towards the end of the year. He somehow still managed to catch for half a thousand yards, 40 catches. I mean, yards per reception around 13, four touchdowns. He built that rapport with 
Sam Darnold. He had a 70% catch, catch percentage. I mean, I just really like everything about Chris Herndon. So that's someone I'm going to keep an eye on. I mean, it's just hard for me to say because, again, if you're suspended, you really – I wouldn't feel too too good to draft him. Um, and then on the flip side, you mentioned Jimmy Graham. You mentioned Kyle Rudolph, Trey Burton. You got Delaney Walker. Those guys are just older, and I'm not super interested. Uh, Burton's having this hamstring issue that I'm just – or hamstring or groin or whatever it is. I'm just really not tr- too intrigued by those guys. Uh, so for me in this range, it's Mark Andrews and uh, Chris Herndon. Those are really the guys that stick out to me just because TJ Hawkinson, I just don't know how much of a how much of a guarantee you can you can have for him, especially because Eric Ebron had that upside in Detroit and they just didn't use him. Yeah, for me, I, I'm on board with Mark Andrews as well. You start talking about how efficient he was last year, you know, with Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson. Yards per reception, 16.2 was good for second. Yards per target, 11.0, good for second. You know, you just go on down the line, and he's pretty much top 10 in everything. One of the big things that I liked about him was his average target distance right there at 10.9 was third among tight ends. So from efficiency metrics, like I'm right there on board. I don't have any concerns about Hayden Hurst and the first-round draft equity that Baltimore used. And then when we start talking about TJ Hawkinson, I like Hawkinson. I think he's a great dynasty asset. I think in his first year, however, he's going to be very touchdown dependent. But if you're looking for somebody to stream, he's at the top of the list as far as guys that are probably be on the waiver wire that I think you can get usable weeks out of. So that's pretty much most of the usable guys that you can probably depend on. Do you, um, just interrupt you real quick, do you think, I don't know how high you were on him last year. This is the George Kittle range for me last year. I really liked Kittle in this range as as someone who could break out and be a top tight end. Do you see that with Mark Andrews? Because I, I, I see like a clone of George Kittle right now. I see this. I see the hype for Andrews to be what Kittle did last year. For me, I don't see George Kittle upside. I just don't think the athleticism is there. And you start sure. looking at Kittle and how he puts up all the yardage. The other thing I, I think is you start comparing the, the Mike Shanahan, I mean, excuse me, Kyle Shanahan offense to what you're going to see there in Baltimore. And I'm excited about what I'm going to see in Baltimore, but I just don't think the volume is going to be there to truly allow Mark Andrews to ascend in a way that George Kittle did last year. You know, e- even with everything going on, Greg Roman has had success with running quarterbacks. You know, I, I think Lamar Jackson's going to have a, a nice year, and I still think Mark Andrews would be the primary target within that offense. But I, I think we might actually have him a little low sitting here at, at third team. I'm willing to move him up, um, especially above Ebron, who I have sitting at 12. So I, I like Andrews. I just don't see the upside there that that Kittle had. What about you, Kilby? I, I like Andrews a lot, to be honest with you. Why you're so low on Ebron? I'm little bit baffled on i understand that the numbers he put up last season for ebron himself are definitely their career numbers but at the same time he's in a great offense and i definitely see him i mean he's gonna regress regardless he's gonna regress but i just don't see like i just don't see anyone in that range where i'm like i'm gonna be that much higher on them than what ebron has done so Okay, so let's just go ahead and settle this with a beer bet. I'll be up there in Carolina December 1st when the Redskins play uh, play the Panthers. And it, let's just say that if Eric Ebron is in the top 12 tight ends, then I will owe you a beer. If he's outside of the top 12 tight ends by December 1st, you owe me a beer. Deal. 
Okay. I, 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 I oppose because when I went to North Carolina, Kilby didn't come meet me. So I oppose. <laughs> I take Scott's side. <laughs> I'm changing Ebron in my rankings. All right. So let's go ahead and get down to, to these last few guys. And, and this is just a bunch of dark dart throws. So what we're looking at is Jack Doyle, Greg Olson, Dallas Goddard, Noah Fant, Gerald Everett, and Mike Gusecki. Um, one of the guys that I'd actually throw in here as well is Ian Thomas, who's uh, going to be trying to share sharing a role there with uh, Greg Olson. But of these guys, look, if I'm taking a chance, I'm going with one of the young bucks. I talked about Dallas Goddard earlier. I have him all over the place in Dynasty Leagues. I think the talent is absolutely there. If for some reason Zach Ertz goes down, you're talking about a guy who can be in the top five or four tight ends after the you know, those, those first couple of guys. So Goddard's a guy that I'm all over, especially if I'm going to get stuck streaming. So he's the guy, and I think Noah Fant offers some more upside, um, you know, there in Denver. Denver's wide receiver, your core is kind of unsettled right now with who's going to go ahead and, and, and take charge of that group. So he's a guy that I want to see some more of in preseason. So, Andrew, is there anything else that you have to add as far as any of these guys? You know, I, I know in a dynasty league we're in, you drafted Gasicki. Uh, I I was against it, but you, you know, you planted your flag on him. Is that a flag that you're still waving? I mean, you know, I said I planted that flag, but I traded him pretty quickly. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the, I, I really, I really did look coming out of college. Gasicki, I, I love the talent. I, I saw so much in Gasicki's tape at least from my opinion. I just I, I really did enjoy what he brought to the table. Um am I banking on that? No. I think you said it best. I think in this range, um I, I'm really just eyeing Dallas Goddard. I think you just I, I look, most of these guys in this range, these guys are getting dropped. You are not keeping these guys. So why not go the upside play that if Zach Ertz gets hurt, you have a top five tight end. I mean, and this is still somebody who Still put up. I think. I think you'd be shocked to know that. I mean, well, that's about 330 yards. I thought it was more, but you know, he still had 330 yards last year, four touchdowns. I mean, you know, you remove Zach Ertz, you have to assume that that's doubled. So, I'd really eye Dallas Goddard in this range, and that's really it. I'm not super intrigued by anyone else. Uh, Jack Doyle was an interesting fantasy option, but like it or not, Ebron's going to get targets. He's going to he's going to cause disruption in that offense. Greg Olson, I just don't know how healthy he is. Noah Fant, he's a rookie tight end with less of a track record or less of a pedigree than Hawkinson. So I just, in this range for me, it's really Dallas Goddard or bus. I mean, you're not, I mean, I, you're just, I think you're streaming these guys. I don't know if you, I don't even know if these guys get drafted and redraft. So if if this is the range I'm going, I'm going to just say it's Dallas Goddard or bust. I got you. So that's going to kind of wrap up our, our tight end rankings. I mean, we went one through 25. So let's get into the good stuff. If if you're giving advice out there, who is the one sleeper, Kilby, that you're going ahead and pinning your hopes on, the guy that you're going to target out of all the guys that we talked about? I said it earlier. I'm staking my flag on Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews sitting there with uh, Lamar Jackson. You think at all that he's going to have any trouble repeating the the efficiency numbers that he that he had last year i don't think so at all i mean in fact it's one of those i mean hayden hurst could slip in there but the way the chemistry has been building between uh, him and mark jackson i i I just don't see i just see lamar looking for his security blanket i mean anytime i'm looking for a tight end 
in the in the later rounds. I'm looking to pair a tight end with a young quarterback, and this Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, just for me, just seems like the perfect storm. What about Andrew? You, Andrew, who's your guy? Yeah, it, I mean, it's it, it's it's it's. I think it's Mark Andrews for me as well. But look, I'm just for the sense again of being different, and I truly do believe this. I, I'm really just I'm high on Chris Herndon. I just I don't know if it's just nostalgia from the fact that he got me through. He got me. He was on my championship teams last year that I was streaming tight ends because you know Herndon kind of came on at the end of the year, but. I was just super impressed by it. You know, he, he had a 35-yard catch in preseason today. Sam Darnold looked good. He, he suspended the first four games, so you can get him off waivers. You don't, you don't have to draft him. I just, I'm impressed with what Chris Herndon can bring. Uh, I think the talent level's there. I think when you see a rookie tight end do that, I think you have to take notice. I mean, we, we typically, you know, don't see these rookie tight ends really come onto the scene unless they're super special. So to see what Chris Herndon did last year, uh, suspended first four games, you're going to get him off waivers. I think Herndon is someone who I'm looking for, uh, you know, maybe in week three, maybe hit him week three, waiver wire comes by, take him a week early and just stash him for a week. But I think Chris Herndon is someone that I'm, I'm going to move up once the season starts. Yeah, and look, for me, I, I talked about it earlier, and Jordan Reed's this, the, the tight end I just can't quit. At pick 160, we know what his upside is. Word out of Washington Redskins camp is that he's absolutely healthy and he's shaking everybody on the field. If he can keep it up and he can get through a full season, if I can just get 14 games out of him and he stays on the field, he's going to be the focal point of that Redskins passing offense. So I, I think we know what he can do. It's just whether or not he can stay healthy and when we start talking about acquisition costs and risk management at pick 160 I don't think you can get a better value with the high upside as what Jordan Reed has here at the tight end position so he's definitely a guy I'm waving my flag and, and planting it with and uh, hey if, if I'm the last polar bear on this uh ice on this iceberg that's melting I'm gonna be that guy that, that's still sitting there being a Jordan <laughs> Reed truther so uh, Just... I'll go ahead and, and stay consistent he, you know he's my guy he's gonna be my sleeper and uh, I promise you I'm glad nobody else is on him because I'll, I'll take all the Jordan Reed and all of my drafts and and take tight end late and if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but at that choice at that choice that late hey I, I'll go the streaming route if it doesn't work out just to add to that, I think, um, you know, Reed's never played that those 16 games before in a year, but he's got talent, and I'm going to shove Chris Herndon down all everybody's throats. So I think if you, if, if you like Chris Herndon like I do, I think Jordan Reed would be the perfect complement to him. You, you got Reed for those four games. Hopefully he can stay healthy for the first four games, and then he can miss the last 12, and you'll have Chris Herndon for the last 12. So we'll move on, and, and we'll hit our, our players to avoid. I don't think it's any, uh, any secret if you listen to – to this point in time that Eric Ebron is just the guy I'm not drafting. He will not be on any of my teams. I don't care how late he lasts. I just don't see the value that's there. The people that are getting drafted around him, I, there's other guys that I like in that range. I just think the regression's going to be there. You, you bring in Devin Funches, you bring in, you know, Paris Campbell. And I just think there's other guys that are going to be more valuable, you know, getting the ball to in the range that, Eric Ebron only works on that field, and then Jack Doyle's going to come back. So you're going to have a reduction in target. So Eric Ebron's the guy that I'm off of. We'll see how that beer bet turns out with Kilby. So let's just go to Kilby. Kilby, who's the guy you're avoiding? I'm going to stay away from TJ Hawkinson right now, mainly because he's a rookie, and you know Matthew Stafford has never really had a connection with his tight ends. So I'm staying completely away from that situation right now. Now, as far as dynasty, yeah, I definitely would hold on to him. 
but there's no way I'm going to be picking him up uh, in any kind of redraft league for now, just mainly because he's a rookie and I just haven't seen any production from the tight end in Detroit for as long as I can remember at this point. Andrew, go ahead, finish us off. Yeah, I'm staying away from Trey Burton. Um, I'm just, I think I, I kind of fell into that trap last year. I think everyone in the industry was was really thinking that Burton was going to be a top five guy, and I just, I'm not interested in the in the um, in what he did last year, and I'm also just not interested because of this injury. I mean, this injury is just, it's just not looking good. I mean, he's, he's missed three straight practices. They're allegedly trying to protect him. I'm just really not interested in Trey Burton at all. Uh, he's going at around 145, and I'd rather wait another round for someone like Jordan Reed or, you know, basically anybody else. So I'm not really touching Burton. Kilby, you have any rebuttal to that since you have him ranked the highest at 12? Well, I definitely like that offense, and at the same time I like pairing a, a tight end with a young quarterback. The injury definitely concerns me if he can get on the field. It's a muddled situation. Yeah, I'm a little higher on him just because I like the offense, but you know, I can see where Andrew stands on that situation. And we'll have to see how it turns out with Mitchell Trubisky being on some people's sleepers list. But that's going to go ahead and do it for our tight end primer show. So if you listened, I hope you enjoyed it. And you can go ahead and follow us on iTunes. Go ahead and give us a review. You can listen on Spotify, Anchor, and a few other podcast networks. So please go ahead and give us a review. Let anybody know if you enjoyed the show, where to listen, where to follow. Again, on Twitter, at 4 down that's going to do it for, for right now. Next week, we're going to go ahead and get into the meat and potatoes of our fantasy football rankings. I'm talking about running backs and wide receivers. So be sure to tune in. And uh, that's it for me. Andrew Kilby, you guys have anything? I'm good, guys. Yeah, we're out. All right, we're out. See you next week.